Um, and maybe I'll ask a couple questions first. Who likes music? All right. So name name uh, a favorite a favorite current group of yours. Juice World. Huh? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Point North. Point North. Juice World. Say it again. Juice World. Juice World. Luke, stop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. This is not meant to be a trap question. Anybody, anybody ever listen to Christian music? Yeah. 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 One, two, three, four. Yeah, who do you like? I don't know their names. Okay. <laughs> I, I, no, I listen to the music, but I don't know their names. Okay, that's fair. All right, different question. Who would you consider to be a legendary musical artist? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jackson. David Bowie. I mean, there's, there's an argument to be made for that. Bruce Springsteen? No, no. Bruce Spring. No, no. Really? Morgan Wong. He had a good point. Yeah, but they tried to make. They tried to make. Morgan Wong's good. Dave Matthews. Luke Combs. Luke Combs. Tyson Matzenbacher. Luke Bryan. Never one of my favorites. Zach Bryan. I mean, I, I, I take Bruce, but I was never. I don't know. I don't have a. I never bought a single album. Who do you think? Paul McCartney. Zeppelin. Now, now, now we're getting somebody. Can you say Young Gravy? Paul McCartney. How about Eric Clapton? Young Gravy. How about Jimi Hendrix? Anyhow, so I want to tell you about a guy who's actually a Christian artist who I, I'd be surprised if any of you know who he is. No. That's good. The guy's name is Rich Mullins. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Well, Rich Mullins, uh, he was born way back in like 55, I think. He grew up in a farm in Indiana. Um, was an incredibly gifted musician right from the, right the get-go, especially in the, on the piano. Um, grew up as a Quaker, okay? Now, Quakers are Christians. They're kind of pacifists. They believe in peace. They believe in social justice long before it was cool. Like, we all think our generation now is cool. Well, the, Quaker, the Quakers had it down long before that. Um, and that kind of influenced uh, Chris's life a lot. Um, yeah. Went to church, you know, was in a traveling choir, ended up going to Cincinnati Bible College, even founded a musical group there called Zion. He toured a bunch of colleges. They even, and Rich was a prolific writer. Um, even a ton of music back then. Even Zion even made an album um, that they put out. But he didn't really think that you know, music was his calling. Um, so when he got out of college, he actually went to Kentucky, I think, and became a youth pastor and a, a musical director at a church. And he worked there for a while. And as part of his youth group duties, he, he took a group to go to a music festival. And when he saw the impact that music had on his students, he was like blown away. He was like, you know what, he really had to rethink you know, what he was going to do with his life, what he was going to do with the gift of music that God gave him, and he decided that he was going to go into, you know, a full-time music ministry. Um, now, his first big break actually came, uh, we'll, test you with, we'll test you with another name out of ancient history. Back in those days, probably the most renowned Christian artist was a lady by the name of Amy Grant. Mm. Have you ever heard of her? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I mean, you're talking about a woman who would fill any, any stadium with a bunch of insane Christians. Anyway, um, she caught wind of a song that Rich wrote um, called, 
um, sing your praise to the Lord. Uh, and she recorded it, and it was a smash hit. And um, after that, you know, Rich, as the, as the songwriter, got a lot of recognition. He decided to pack up from where he was in Kentucky. He moved down to uh, Tennessee, like outside of Nashville, because Nashville was kind of the center of Christian music in those days. Uh, continued to write. Some other artists picked up some of his music, and uh, he got a little more recognition. And finally, his solo career began to take off, and he was allowed to start recording his own. Um, but I want to say, Rich was different in a lot of ways. His, his, back then, I mean, honestly, Christian music was generally pretty sad. Um, you know, it was still kind of coming out of, uh, I don't know, out of probably a lot of 50s influence. It was like your grandparents' kind of music. I mean, there was a guy by the name of Keith Green. He tried to jazz it up a little bit. Guy always put me to sleep. I never liked it. Um, but Rich, Rich's music style was so complicated and so intense that he used a lot of different instruments, um, gathered, always gathered a lot of cool musicians around him who were also very gifted. Um, so his music had a totally different tone to it. His writing, he was so devoted to God and so eager to pursue God you know, in his personal life uh, you know, that his lyrics were just so powerful. Um, that lady, Amy Grant, once, once said of Rich that Rich had the ability to look into the abyss of God and come back and write a song of it. His songs, and his songs were that powerful. Um, yeah, but like I said, you know, he didn't really, Chris, uh, Rich was, he was a different sort of a character. He didn't really fit the clean cut image of, of most Christian artists in those days or what a lot of people expected. And even though he was a Quaker, it was pretty much the evangelical church of those days that really uh, was his audience. Um, Rich would challenge the church. I mean, he, he would speak out where he saw things that he didn't like about the church. He would speak out about it. A lot of people loved Rich because he would do that. A lot of people didn't love Rich because he would do that. He was a very polarizing kind of a guy. Um, and Rich you know, had a lot of his own ideas as to, as to what God's intent for us was in this life. Um, this was a guy who, you know, Early on in his career, you know, and he was—I mean, he was a musical artist here, and he was big. I mean, Rich, Rich was easily bigger than Amy Grant was in my mind. Uh, you know, could fill auditoriums, sold a ton of albums. He went to his accountant once and said, "You know what? What does the average person in America do?" The accountant did some figures. He says, "I think about twenty-five grand a year." This is a guy who who is literally making millions of dollars. Okay, he said, "You know what?" I want to live on what the average American salary is. So his, uh, he, he had his accountant set it up basically to hide all the income from his musical earnings, okay? Gave him 25 grand a year to work on. All the rest went to the elders of Rich's local church from where he grew up in a trust fund for them to distribute and take care of his Now, How many people, how many artists do you think today would be willing to do something like that? How many of us would be willing to do something like that? This was a guy who, who, you know, who literally put his money where his mouth is and, and stood behind his beliefs. Uh, he was a guy who promoted a lot of things that he believed in. You ever heard of Compassion International? It's an internationally known organization that helps underprivileged kids around the world. He was a big supporter of that. Did benefits for them, wanted other people to get involved with. Uh, Rich was very quirky. Uh, guy again, 
could have commanded millions of dollars, could have lived in any house here that you could imagine. Okay. Very often lived out of a bed. Uh, didn't really consider possessions to be something of importance. Would show up at his friend's house and just kind of, you know, walk, walk in the door, no knocking, no announcement. Sit out, help himself to food, take a shower, sleep in their bed. Might stay for a month, might be gone tomorrow. Might take things that he thought he needed. Might leave things behind that he didn't care about anymore. He was a rather quirky character. Uh, yeah, he was a guy, he was a guy who, you know, without it being cool, because it really wasn't part of the scene back then, but he would show up at concerts, his own concerts, you know, bare feet, torn blue jeans. Okay. He'd walk in. He'd walk in, and the people running the the, the concert venue would thought he was like one of the roadies, you know. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he was also a guy who would, you know, share his gifts a lot. Um, he brought along a lot of younger artists, uh, gave gave them a, a venue with which to, uh, you know, get their start. Third Day was one of those. Uh, may have heard of them. Uh, he was greatly influenced by a guy by the name of, uh, an author by the name of Brennan Manning. If you ever heard of Brennan Manning, he wrote uh, many books, but probably his most po a popular book was one called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Um, again, a very, not, not a mainstream book, uh, but I think a lot of solid theology that's in that book and a lot of, uh, it has a good, humble perspective for how a Christian ought to live their life. Rich was very influenced by that, even to the point where, um, you know, he decided to form another band and he called it a ragamuffin band, okay, after that book. Um, how quirky was Critch, uh, Rich? At the height of his career, he decided to give up music for a time and he went back to college to go get a, a music degree. This is a guy who has already sold, you know, umpteen thousands of albums, gold records, dub award winner. Goes back to college. I think he was playing. I think he even played in a marching band. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and he went back to college to learn music. Why? Because he was very moved. I told you back to uh, Compassion International previously. He actually moved onto a Navajo Indian reservation in Arizona so that he could start a school for Indian kids and teach them music. Um, even formed a, a, a band of brothers, let's say. Um, Rich was greatly influenced by uh, Francis of Assisi, who was a guy who lived centuries ago, but was another guy who was very uh, driven by social justice and, and the need for Christians to, you know, sacrifice of themselves to help other people out, those less fortunate. Um, you know, Chris brought, Chris, uh, Rich brought even guys who were, you know, younger than him, you know, like 10 years younger than him as a group and called them the Brothers of St. Frank. To help uh, you know, live a life exactly like that, and these guys were helping him on the Indian reservation. Um, Rich's final artistic work was a, an album called uh, The Jesus Rest. He was inspired to write one. He wanted to write 10 songs that were so much about Jesus. Um, and it really is an incredibly powerful album. If you've never listened to it and listened to the lyrics, I, I would recommend you see if you could find it and, and check it out. I'm sure you can find it online if you want to. Uh, Rich never reported that out. Uh, as far as he got, was making a, a pretty finished demo tape of it, and he and a friend were driving before they could hit the studio. They were going to do a benefit concert, and the car they were driving in flipped over. Uh, both Rich and his friend were ejected from the vehicle, and Rich was killed. Uh, 
Interesting that a song that he had written some years before was called Elijah. And if I can remember how the, the chorus on something to do the effect of, you know, when I leave, I'm going to go out like Elijah. And if you don't know the story of Elijah, he was a prophet in the Old Testament. And God sent a flaming chariot to pick him up and take him to heaven. He was like one of two people in the Bible that we can't, that we don't have proof of that they died. Um, so maybe a little, a little prophetic there that uh, Rich died in a fiery car. Um, and he was actually considered something of a prophet. Uh, he knew the scriptures very well, had, his, had a lot of his own interpretations about them. Uh, when he gave a concert in between uh, songs, he, he would quote scripture, he would talk about it and give his thoughts on it. Um, some of those are so powerful, people used to you know, record them. You can go online right now on Facebook or even find you know, books about them or the quotes of Rich Mullins. Um, uh, one of those I could even quote with his philosophy of life can be understood in one of these. He said, you know, Jesus said that whatever you do to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. And this is what I've come to think, that if I want to identify fully with Jesus Christ, who I claim to be my Savior and Lord, the best way that I can do that is to identify with the poor. This I know will go against the teachings of all the popular evangelical preachers. This is probably mid-80s. But they're just wrong. They're not bad. They're just Christianity is not about building an absolutely secure little midst of the world where you can live with your perfect little spouse and your perfect little children in a beautiful little house where you have no gays or minority groups anywhere near you. Christianity is about learning to love as Jesus loved. And Jesus loved the poor. And Jesus loved the brokenhearted. Um, so all of that I just give you to give kind of a background. Um, as to who Rich was, I have loved the works of Rich Mullins ever since I got saved. I got saved probably 1996. I think I discovered Rich on the radio probably 1988. Um, at that time, it was one of, the, one of the songs off of that album, the, uh, the Jesus record called My Deliverer. Uh, and I loved it. It was, just, it was so potent. I loved the song. I came home. I'm telling Eileen about it. Like, you got to hear this guy. This guy is fantastic. I come to find out like a week later that he was dead. I was like, what? Yeah. But slowly I began to, you know, to, to get some of his albums and follow his works. Um, Eileen and I used to watch his DVDs about his concerts and see the stuff that he would say. And the verse I wanted to share with you guys was something we've affectionately termed as, as Rich's verse. Uh, not that I think he ever called it that, but uh, we just thought it was so funny. Um, the verse itself and then the take that we had on it. So the verse that I'm talking about comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 4, um, and says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but much increase comes from the strength of the ox. I'll say it again. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but much increase comes from the strength of the ox. Now, like I said in the beginning, there's so many verses in the Bible if you dig into it that are just like, you know, what, is, what is that possibly supposed to say to me? Um, well, let me ask this. Anybody ever been to a farm? No one's ever been to a farm. Two. None of you kids have ever been to a farm? <laughs> have you ever been to a farm that had animals? Yeah. We need to go to a farm. What, what, would you, what did you notice about a farm that had animals? It's poop. 
What's so funny? What? There's poop. There's poop? Yep. Mmm. <laughs> does it smell nice? Mmm. <laughs> does it? You like that smell? <laughs> you like that Sweet. smell? Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. And do you ever like go into a barn or stable where the animals were? Oh, I didn't go there. You didn't go there? Well, yeah. I went, I went yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, and what's on the floor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and in the straw is what? Water? <laughs> no, what's on the floor? What are the, the animals? The poop was a little, little watery. He had the right answer. Okay? There's poop on the floor. Go on. <laughs> so think about the verse for a second. Okay? So, I mean, so think about this. Animals represent wealth, represent prosperity, represent good health, you know, security. And imagine if you had a barn and you had no animals in it. You put all the hay down. What would that, what would that barn smell like? Just like hay. <laughs> Probably just like hay, right? There'd be nothing to mess it up. Right? So there's the answer. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Rich's take on this verse was basically... Life is a mess. Um, you know, you can plan and work all you want, and really you should, you know, because that's that's you know, how we tend to make our way in this life, and how we do get ahead and keep things organized. Um, but what I want you to understand is that no matter how hard you work, how hard you try, how gifted you think you are, life's still going to be a mess. It isn't neat and clean. You know, and honestly, even if you were, if you could craft yourself some kind of a perfect life out there, God is going to step in, okay? If he has his finger on you and he wants you, he's going to knock, he's going to knock that cleanliness out of your life, and he's going to bring something messy. Uh, you know, Jesus himself warned us about the very same thing. Right? In John 16, 33, this is in a, a section of the Bible where, where Jesus, there at the uh, Last Supper, and John records a very long passage with Jesus teaching the disciples before he goes to the cross the next day. Um, and after he'd gone through almost all of that, um, he said this, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Tribulation is kind of a big word. I don't even know what tribulation is. Trials. Right? Yep. Trouble. Heartbreak, loss, pain, you can put any synonym you want in there. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Um, you know, so when trials come, Jesus wants us to turn to him. Um, he doesn't say, I'm going to come in and fix them all. But he says that I have overcome the world in which those things exist. There's something more than just this life that we are living. Um, so one last quote from Rich Mullins that I want to share with you guys. Um, this is kind of about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, Rich said, To listen to the call of God means to accept some of the emptiness that we have in our own lives. And rather than always trying to drown out that feeling of emptiness, instead of always trying to fill it with a lot of junk, to allow that emptiness to be a door through which we go to meet God. So there's a purpose behind the mess. There's a purpose behind the pain. Um, 
So to sum it up, like I said before, life is a mess. Um, you guys should expect it to be. Just because you're coming here to Hope Church and coming to youth group and we're learning about God and all that's awesome. Um, you know, but life is going to be a mess. You know, and, and you should be prepared for it. Uh, we should expect it to be a mess and, and learn to take that messiness and start. Uh, trials and trouble are going to come. Uh, it's the nature of the world. But the real question for us becomes, what are you going to do when life gets messy? When those trials do come? You know, like Rich just said, you can seek comfort in other things that are a part of this world. You know, trying to fill it with all that junk. And you can... Well, you can use junk for anything that you think is cool out of this world that you you help to maybe ease that pain or, or to fill your voids. But they're not the answer. And they don't last. Jesus says that it's in him that we find peace. Yeah. He's the one that we need to always turn to. And I'm hoping today that, you know, that you'll always hold on to that one. So why don't we pray Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for Jesus, for um, what he has done for us by dying on the cross, and for how he is our great comforter, Father, that we know that he told us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We can always turn to him, no matter how bad things might be getting. He knows us, he loves us, he wants us to be with him. He'll walk with us through it. Help us to hold on to those things. Amen. Mm -hmm.